Hey, good morning, church. It's so good to be coming to you through this online service. Know that the word that God's put in my heart is going to bless you today, and uh, I'm so excited to be sharing this time with you. So um, we're starting a brand new month. It's April. Can you believe that? And uh, Easter's just around the corner. It's going to be a very different Easter to what we're used to. Uh, not getting together at church physically, but we're going to be able to continue to bring online services to you into the foreseeable future. I'm so excited about that and um, looking forward to using this process to keep bringing the word of God, encouragement, joy, um, faith into your very lounge room. So wherever you're watching it, whether it's nearby in South Australia, in Adelaide, across the nation, or indeed with our friends overseas, we just uh, want to say uh, God bless you and uh, welcome to this sermon. So we're looking at a topic from April called forgiveness. Forgiveness looks at life differently. And today I want to start that uh, process for the next, uh, including Easter, just bringing you some thoughts around what it is to be a person who forgives and understands the power of forgiveness. It's interesting that today, as also in the traditional church, Palm Sunday, and uh, we don't always make a big deal about that, but I felt like this morning I wanted to bring some thoughts to you about what had happened when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on that um, donkey 2,000 years ago and the correlation between that activity and the power of forgiveness that he was um, walking, actually being ridden into. He was on a journey amongst a whole bunch of people to a place of betrayal and to a place of being judged and then executed. So let's just have a look at the story. Um, it's amazing kind of picture that the Bible paints of the people, the crowd being uh, lining the streets. There's branches being waved. There are coats being put on the ground. There's a whole lot of activity as we read it. And I want to say to you as the kind of the theme for today that freedom is the door, I'm sorry, forgiveness is the, the doorway to freedom. And uh, that's what I want you to get out of this message this morning. So Jesus was honoured as he approached his place of judgment and then execution. He knew the road ahead would bring freedom to everybody because it was paved with forgiveness. Not just branches, not just coats, but a willingness on his part to walk down the pathway to his ultimate um, goal, which is to be put to death so that our sins are paid for. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, reading from Mark chapter 11, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches as they'd cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12 disciples. So um, the symbolism in this story is quite remarkable. So at the annual Passover festival, which had been celebrated for a long, long time in the nation of Israel, the Jews chanted six um, ascents, it's called, uh, one of the references I found during the week, which are essentially they, they read Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. And within those uh, psalms, we find the expressions uh, that they've just shouted out to Jesus in the street. They express thanksgiving and praise and petition to God. The crowds were acknowledging the true Passover lamb, 
remarkable that that language and uh, the words they literally spoke applied to the traditional understanding of the Passover and Jesus himself is entering Jerusalem as the one true lamb, the true sacrificial lamb. The fact that he's riding on a donkey is fulfilment of prophecy. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 reads this way, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Fulfilling the prophetic words of being Zion, that is the children of Israel's king. There's a lot of uh, impetus put into the way this story is presented in the Bible to make sure any reader who knows anything about the history of Israel, the history of the sacrifices, the fact that sins are forgiven by the spilling of blood, um, these things are all incredibly powerful uh, things that are known in Israel and they're images that are forged into the minds of everybody there. And uh, so make no mistake, they, they were definitely acknowledging that Jesus was somebody special. Even today, placing coats, branches on the roadway, uh, back then, sorry, uh, is acknowledging his importance. And it's a similar thing today. You will find people line the streets to welcome kings, to welcome famous people, sports stars. We have parades in the city of Adelaide at the end of, uh, and in Melbourne, at the end of the football season, for example. It's like the whole thing of the crowd getting excited, acknowledging someone's importance. But putting down um, branches and coats on the roadway also implies something else. There's a sense of submission. There's a sense of honour. Um, there's acknowledging that the normal mundane pathway this donkey was walking on, um, because it's being covered in something new, it's actually a brand new pathway. The symbolism of it being what is an old road being used today as a brand new thoroughfare for a brand new king to come into the city. That's, it's never been ridden on before in a fairly, um, just a broad way of looking at it. So Jesus is entering, however, into the human danger zone. Can you believe it? He's walking willingly into a place of judgment. He's walking willingly into a place of betrayal. He's walking willingly into a place of false accusation, abandonment, cruelty, mockery, mental pressure, torture, and eventually death. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty horrible uh, combination of things to be literally walking toward willingly. He did that for you. He did that for me. The only reason he could do that in my opinion, is because he was absolutely aware of the fact that what he was doing was going to unlock the door of forgiveness over all of humankind. <laughs> he was so aware of the goal. He was so aware of the purpose. He was prepared to let me read those things out to you again. He walked into the place of judgment. He walked into the place of betrayal. He walked into the place of false accusation. He walked into the place of abandonment, of human cruelty, mockery, mental pressure, torture, and eventually death. And his response on the cross as he was about to die was these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Let me say that again. This is Jesus' words to the people who had done all those things to him. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I want to say to you this morning that forgiveness is absolutely crucial and it's a foundational part of freedom. True freedom in your life, true freedom in my life, is all about freedom. First of all, freedom from our sin. Jesus' death means that we're free from the power of sin and death. It means we have the opportunity to know God 
intimately because our sin has been removed as far away from us as it's possible to imagine so that we can be in a relationship with God. So there's that forgiveness that's about our connection with God. But many, many people who are Christians and certainly many people who are not around the world are absolutely trapped in various spheres and uh, contexts of unforgiveness. And this message this morning, I hope, will help you to crack open the door to actually see that there's a way free for you to step out of the prison. Sometimes the prison of unforgiveness is something that we've built. It's not what other people have done to us. They might have been uh, the kind of the catalyst to the building project. But many, many, many of us have, over many, many years, built this incredible prison, this fortress of unforgiveness that causes us to be totally trapped. If your circumstances determine your ability to forgive, you're trapped. Because you're making yourself vulnerable to the changing ebb and flow of life. You've built a jail that only you can open. The person who utters or maybe harbours this thought, I will never forgive them, is actually in prison, built and reinforced daily by their own choice. We can be deluded into thinking that the person who's violated us or abused us or we've been taken advantage of or whatever the context was where forgiveness needs to be expressed by us, that's not the issue. The issue is that if we refuse to do it, we find ourselves not the person who's actually the problem or the situation that we can't forgive. That in itself may or may not ever be resolved. And so we've got to decide, what choice do I have? I have got the choice to forgive. So the person who has consciously or subconsciously imprisoned themselves with, I can never forgive myself for that, or there can be no forgiveness for me, has built a fortress that will keep them imprisoned for life. Jesus came to set prisoners free. He makes that statement in Luke chapter 4. And uh, it's so true when it comes to the prison that we build and find ourselves stuck in when we start getting trapped by unforgiveness. He shows us that freedom comes through forgiveness. A little while ago, um, on a recent trip, we were in Europe and for the first time we went to the Auschwitz-Birkenau uh, concentration camp museum in Poland. And it was a very confrontational place, it, it, very confronting, lots of um, stuff on display, a lot of information about what happened in that place. Let's just say it was um, a very sobering place to go and visit, knowing that 1.1 million people were executed there. Um, some of the comments made by tour guides, etc., there were along the lines that were actually walking in and in amongst a, just one huge cemetery. There is so much uh, human remains to this day in the fields there. Ash, this, it's like, it's like, whoa, man, it's unbelievable. And uh, read an incredible book when I got home um, that a friend of mine said, you should read this book since you've been to Auschwitz, and it's called The Choice, written by a psychologist, a survivor of Auschwitz called Edith Eger. And uh, she uh, spends the whole book unpacking some of the story of her journey into Auschwitz, her meeting with Joseph Mengler and uh, surviving Auschwitz, 
being pulled out of there just before the war finished and ended up being sent down to a place just out of Salzburg in, in Austria um, to be left for dead. And in fact, the Americans who liberated her dragged her um, out of a pile of corpses and uh, she was lying amongst dead people. And uh, she explains how she recovered from that incredibly difficult and absolutely traumatic series of events in her life with her sister. And there's a whole bunch of things. She tells stories about people that she's interviewed as a psychologist and the therapy that people need to get set free. One of the biggest things that she brings into this book, which is why I'm mentioning it, is the absolute power of forgiveness. At every turn, she was learning and she learned over the rest of her life that she was trapped and she found various arenas of her life where she was trapped for years and years and years to the point where she actually left her husband at one point, blaming him for everything that was going wrong in their marriage. Um, the great news is they actually got reconciled and got back together and remarried after they divorced because she had found out that lots of what she was saying and accusing her husband of being and not being was all about her inability to forgive this, that or the other along the way. Anyway, I want to just cut to the chase with this story. Toward the end of the book, uh, she actually relays the story of um, getting the courage with her husband to go back to Auschwitz and actually go back into that place where she was terrorised. There's no two ways about that. And the thing about this particular part of the story that's so in intriguing and powerful is this. When she and her mother and her sister arrived at Auschwitz to be imprisoned there, um, they actually stepped off the train straight into the uh, presence of Joseph Mengler, who looked at them, and she explains before they get there, there's a lot of story in the book, that her mother actually was a very attractive woman and her mother was, um, had extremely um, clear skin and um, she could have passed off as one of... They could have passed her off as a sister. So there's 16-year-old uh, Edith, her mum and her older sister... And Mengler just walks up to them and says um, to them, um, is this your sister? And Edith, at 16, innocently says, no, it's my mum. And he said, you go over there. And to the two sisters, you go over there. And her mother marched straight around the corner into the crowd that was going straight to the gas chamber. And she never saw her mother ever again. And at the moment of going back to Auschwitz, she realised that for 40 years she had subconsciously buried the fact that she actually betrayed her mother to a murderer by mistake. She realised that if she kept her mouth shut or had lied and said, no, she's my sister, she probably would have been put into the queue to go with her sister and herself into hell but not to death. And so she found that buried deep inside her soul was this inability to face the fact that she had betrayed her mother to death. And in that moment of time, she had this conversation with her mother in her mind and was reconciled. She had to forgive herself for an innocent mistake as a 16-year-old kid and it had haunted her for 40 years. This morning, I don't know what you've got buried deep in you, but I know this, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem to his place of hell he rode in there on donkey willingly so that not one of us 
would have to go through our life in jail, figuratively. In a jail we build around unforgiveness, whether we intended to or not. And this story is one of unintended, innocent mistake of a 16-year-old kid in an incredibly stressful place. Yet it haunted her, and in some respects, it ruined part of her life for many, many years. This morning, I want to encourage you. Why don't you let Jesus, the one who paid the price, lead you to the place where you can find forgiveness for yourself? Maybe you're like Edith Eager, and you're aware of a mistake you made that somebody's still paying the price for, and you've never forgiven yourself. Maybe you said something to one of your kids, if you've got children. Maybe someone said something to you, and you retorted with a really, really vile response that smashed things to smithereens. I don't know what your jail looks like, but I know this, there's a door, and it can be opened. So if you're trapped in a prison of unforgiveness today, I want you to believe with all your heart that Jesus paid the price for you to be set free. The door is forgiveness, but you must turn the key. I'm gonna pray in a moment for you to have the courage to do that. I know that Jesus, by his spirit, is just so desiring for you to go, I can do this. So let's just pray as we come around this thought this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray that every one of us in this place, this place of listening, wherever we are, at home, in the car, Lord, maybe sitting at office in the office listening to this later on. Whatever's going on in our world today, Lord, I pray that we would find the courage to face up to an issue of forgiveness. Pray right now, Lord, by your spirit that you would shine the light on, especially something that may be buried or concealed or subconscious that's got us locked up. Pray, Father, for people who've got, let's just say, serious connections with this, that a prayer like this is just the beginning of the journey out. Pray that you lead them into the care of professionals, lead them into the care of a mature Christian, somebody who can walk with them so that they can come out of that place of being trapped to a place of absolute freedom. I thank you, Lord, that freedom is found, that forgiveness looks at everything differently. And I pray that every one of us today, Lord, can see our future through a different set of eyes today because we choose to be the person who forgives. In his name, amen. If you prayed and listened to that prayer, if that opened your heart, maybe you're sitting there listening to this and you're thinking, well, I actually don't understand who Jesus is. I'm not sure how what he's done applies to me. Maybe you've never understood that it does apply to you. I want to encourage you this morning to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want you to make a decision to put your trust in him. I want you to make a decision this morning to be the person who understands like never before, everything that I've done that's wrong or a mistake or that's kept me trapped in my life in a negative sense of the word, he's paid for. How do I get that to become a reality of freedom for me? And so we can find ourselves today, and I'm gonna pray again in a moment, a prayer that you can find on our website um, you can turn to it and read it for yourself, but I'm going to read it out to you, and I want you to pray this prayer. If you've never invited Christ into your life, or if you're sitting and listening and you've, you know because you know this morning, you've been trapped and you've lost your way with him, 
don't you read this prayer? Say, let me say this prayer. I'm going to read it to you, but you can read it for yourself afterwards. And if you do pray this prayer by yourself, and if you do read this prayer later by yourself and mean it, we'd love you to email us and tell us that you've done that. We'd love to get someone in touch with you to help you discover just how amazing a life's journey with Jesus can be. So let's just pray this prayer together to close this morning. Lord God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins and rose to life again. I'm sorry for my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Saviour. I ask you to transform my life and give me your Holy Spirit to lead me all of my days. Thank you for your unlimited goodness and grace over my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you, church. We're going to have a great week in the lead up to Easter. I know that we're in isolation, self-quarantine. We're social distancing. There's a whole lot of, uh, let's just say, parameters around our life that are very, very strange for us. Let's make sure we keep connected, keep Zoom parties happening with connect groups, whatever. Uh, just make use of technology to stay connected. We love you and we're praying for you and we look forward to seeing you again next week over the, week, week, over the weekend of Easter. God bless. How good was that? Such a